This is Earth Files, the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science, environment, and real X-Files. Podcasting in-depth reports beyond the 6 o'clock news by Emmy Award-winning journalist Linda Moulton Howe. Hi to everyone here and around this troubled world, and deep prayers to all who are struggling in wars, and deep thanks to all of you who have emailed, proton mailed, or hard mailed your extraordinary experiences with non-humans on Earth, where government whistleblowers say a variety of other intelligent life forms have persisted here for thousands of years in addition to honestly wanting to understand the whole truth about the alien presences, I think most of us at the Earth Files YouTube channel that we are fascinated by the night sky and astronomical wonders, like this past October 14th Ring of Fire annular solar eclipse. During an annular eclipse, the moon does not cover the entire sun disk, so a ring of light surrounds the shadow of the moon. This recent solar eclipse could only be seen in Mexico, Central America, Colombia, Brazil, and eight American states, including New Mexico, where I live in Albuquerque. And here is what I saw when I opened the door onto my backyard terrace near 10.30 a.m. on Saturday, October 14th. Dozens of light rings around dark shadow circles cast from the annular solar eclipse through tree leaves. It was so eerie and so beautiful. And eerie is a good word to describe the dozens of messages and emails that I have received from many of you after last week's broadcast about preservation tubes for human and extraterrestrial bodies. And here is a note from Liz Starwalker in our audience, quote, Linda, I too have seen myself inside of the glass cylinder in a body preservation mode. I was not human. I was one of the tall whites. Some of my memories came back after a contact with a tall white during a time that I was a monastery in Brazil in 1993. Many changes in my life started to happen since that contact, ranging from memories to a sense of knowing to language change and other skills I did not know I had for the work on the spaceship and my job as a tall white. And Converse 2736 wrote this message, quote, When I have been younger, I have been abducted, and I have seen these tubes as well, and not only humans in them, also other creatures, and this liquid in them, and also this electric blue light shining into them, and the beings and people in them like in suspended animation. <clears throat> they were storing them as this planet Earth slowly gets more and more destroyed. The need to keep a part of us to be able to recede Earth again if anything happens, but also to upgrade us humans to evolve spiritually higher and finally to evolve to more positive beings that don't fight anymore and will look after this planet Earth. Because we have been seeded here in the past by them, 
and as we have not turned out perfectly yet, we need more upgrades. Basically, like you upgrade your iPhone to eliminate bugs, it's kind of like that, what the ET plan is, close quote. And here is another comment from C. Josh, 2086, quote, friend of mine was in a tube in a gray metallic room with metal square grid like gray tile floors and saw other beings of different size, but humanoid looking naked and suspended in a liquid. My friend claimed to hit the glass from inside the tube that he was in. And then a gray alien with big black eyes was staring back at him through the outer side of the glass. My friend said the gray alien did not walk over from anywhere. It was just instantly there after he hit the glass from inside the tube, close quote. And here's a message from Mondolf, quote, By the time I was a toddler, I was having dreams most nights that covered a range of shadow people, out of bodies, and other unknown entities. I believe there was at least one abduction scenario, but it was highly unusual since I still had the mind of my past life adult self. I remember arguing with the beings and questioning their integrity for stealing babies and children from their homes while their parents were asleep. During this time, I was also having long conversations with a spirit who claimed to be of Nordic heritage, who showed me what he claimed were past lives that we spent together during the period in which Rome was sacked in 410 AD. In these lives, I mainly remember holding on to pagan faith while being a Roman citizen and hiding it. I did see a shadow trying to step into my body while I was out of body once, close quote. Also, after reporting last week about this NASA Psyche spacecraft mission to the metallic 16 Psyche asteroid between Mars and Jupiter, its liftoff was delayed a day until last Friday, October 13th at 10.19 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time from the Kennedy Space Center. After the Psyche spacecraft lifted off, I found an email from an aerospace source, and this is what he told me, quote, 16 Psyche does show up in spectral data with strong signs of iridium. Iridium is the most corrosion-resistant metal known. It also has certain properties and advantages that are currently classified. So iridium is another important reason for the trip to 16 Psyche. Close quote. I also found a new message in my October 12, 2023 email from a man named Jared, who says that he has encountered the alien tube technology, a mysterious technology that I have been reporting about ever since my third book, Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 2, High Strangeness, that was first published in 1998. Jared was born in Guam in August of 1987 when his father was in the United States Air Force. And eventually, Jared and his parents moved back to Oregon, where Jared graduated from Woodburn High School in 2005 and went on to join the U.S. Air National Guard for 11 years until 2016. Jared's DD-214 states that he, quote, 
served in support of Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan at Bagram Air Force Base in 2011. And his primary specialty was working in an avionics test station. Jared received an associate's degree in electronics engineering for fighter planes that he worked on. And then by the end of February 2021, with a long-time interest in advanced UFO technology, Jared tried his first effort to remote view. Quote, Linda, your recent Earth Files episode about the preservation chambers resonates with my own personal experience at the end of February 2021, nearly three years ago. At that point, my only exposure to the paranormal UFO stuff was a few YouTube videos of UFO sightings and seeing the movie The Phenomenon. I also saw something about the CIA's gateway experience in remote viewing and thought I'd give that a go. And then I had an experience that feels best described as a vision. Can you start there and unfold everything that happened? The experience was my first attempt at remote viewing. And you were doing that because why? I wanted to try remote viewing because I'd never tried it before. It looked interesting. And I thought maybe I can try to get some information on warp drive and that sort of thing. Trying to understand how the UFOs operate and how they fly. I went through the process. And once I was in the right state of mind for something to happen, I kind of just asked the universe for some help with understanding how warp drive works. It started feeling like an out-of-body experience. I was hovering above the Earth quite a long ways away so that I could see both sides of it. In your email, you say, ended up seeing Earth from a ship in orbit possibly 10,000 years in our future. Yep. So as I was kind of floating there, I was looking at Earth, and I knew it was Earth, but it didn't really look like Earth. It looked like there was way too much water. I couldn't see much in the way of land masses except for a couple of peaks peeking out of the water. And so I just kind of asked the universe, what's going on? And I got an answer that said, in your future, over 10,000 years, 8,100 years to be exact. The 8,100 was interesting because I found out many months later about the Rendlesham Forest numbers that came out. With that was one of the downloads Peniston got about different places on the planet and the year 8100. Yep. So off to my left, a couple hundred yards away, there's a spherical ship and I kind of just float over to the thing fairly quickly. I go right through the wall and as I'm going towards, I'm accelerating faster and faster. And as I make it through the wall, I'm going even faster and I zoom right into this body. And now all of a sudden I'm no longer out of body experience. I'm in a body again, but it's not my body. Before I'd even opened my eyes in this body, I kind of was getting a feel for what it felt like. It felt shorter. It felt more frail. It felt like there was fur on it, which was kind of weird. My feet didn't feel like normal human 90-degree angle feet, but a little longer, three taller gray aliens walked up to the window of the tank to see what was going on. At that point, I started realizing that this thing feels feline. And so I kind of shifted around a little bit, feeling for a tail, but I'm not feeling anything like a tail. So at this point, I'm starting to really wonder what is going on here. 
And so I start trying to open my eyes. It's all very gray and blurry, but it slowly starts coming into focus more and more. And I realize I'm inside of a tall tube, six to eight feet tall. I could see the other tubes to my side. There's three other tubes to my left, the same D-line creature in it. Can you describe as if you are in the tube with clear focus now looking to your right or left and you're looking at a different creature that is not homo sapien looking and you are looking at it from consciousness inside of you, not knowing what's happening, but what exactly are you seeing in the other tubes? I can't see through the front windows of the other tubes very well other than to kind of make out humanoid, non-human creatures in there. And at that point, I am asking the universe, what's in there? And the answer I get is that they are all clones. All four of us are all clones of some other creature and that we had been bred for the specific purpose of we were historians was the term that I was given. And that our purpose was we were to do conscious transferring back in time to the present now. I don't understand what they were being historians for, other than just to collect records, but that they had been bred specifically for the purpose that they were very adept psychically to be able to transfer their consciousness back in time like that, and that they had been bred specifically to transfer to humans back in time. Can you elaborate more to understand what you think that all meant then? They had bred us for the specific purpose. We didn't have a super long lifespan. I think it was 20 or 30 years long, and that was part of the reason for the need to clone them over and over. They'd been specifically bred for this purpose, and they had been derived from some other species far away or long ago or something like that. Like It was print-to-form, print-to-purpose type of job for these clone beings. And do you have any clear image or thought voice that was ever given to you about what exactly was harvested from these short-living creatures and whatever was harvested was applied to what? I think information was the primary thing. I think they were to be sent back in time as observers by being able to transfer themselves into... I don't even know whether or not they had specific individuals that they could transfer into or if they had wider capabilities to transfer into lots of different people. I just know for one reason or another, I managed to transfer my consciousness the other way around back into this creature. And when you were in the consciousness of this short-haired, furry humanoid, we would recognize a head, shoulders, arms, torso, legs, feet. Yep. Think like 80 plus percent human with 20 percent cat minus tail feline. That was the vibe I got. The very first thing when I entered the body was, this is like a feline-type body. You were sensing, intuiting that the whole purpose for these short 20, 30-year lives of these feline humanoids was to gather information from other periods in the past timeline. Correct. Do you have any clarity on what the questions being posed by another intelligence that was using these feline humanoids to access the past for information to apply to when you were in their present? 
I didn't get the feeling that they were accessing high-level individuals, like high-position individuals in government or corporations or anything like that. I got more of a feeling that they were like anthropologists going back in time to see how the people lived. Did you get any more information about what the intelligence is, what is it like, what does it look like, and why is it manipulating DNA to create creatures specifically for mission to go into the distant past and bring information up to a different future? It was about at that point when I had started understanding the historian aspect of these creatures and that they, against their will, had been created and were basically slaves of their owners. At that point, three taller gray aliens walked up to the window of the tank to see what was going on. And these are now the classic black oval eyes. Would you describe for me what you are seeing in these particular grays and how tall? They didn't look like the shorts, three or four foot. These things looked slightly taller than I was, and I kind of understood that I was about four and a half to five feet tall. So I think they were about five to five and a half feet tall, maybe six foot. And they had the larger dark eyes, can't see any pupils or anything. Also, my vision never got fully clear. There was always a little bit of haze to the vision. Three taller grays walk up, see what's going on, and I realize that I need to talk quick. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Did you ask them something out loud verbally or telepathically? Telepathically, because at this point, all the questions I'd been kind of pausing to the universe were telepathic, so I just kind of kept going with that. I never tried to verbalize anything. And because my original purpose for doing the remote viewing session was warp drive, I immediately asked them, please, can you tell me anything about metric engineering or propulsion? Please, can you tell me anything, give me any direction for how your engines work, how your propulsion mechanisms work, how I might perform metric engineering in space-time, how I might be able to somehow build my own warp drive? They respond with a bemused, just kind of looking at me like a kid who has asked a scientist to explain the most complicated things, and the scientist knows they're not going to understand it. Just kind of, no, no, we're not going to tell you anything. And at that point, I asked them again, well, can you at least help guide me in some way? And they said, sure, yeah, sure, we will. And I wasn't sure if they were entirely sincere or not. I tried to make a deal with them because I figured a deal might be more binding. So I said, how about we put a time limit on it? A year or two years, can you promise me something that if I can be successful in the next amount of time that you will provide in some way some help along the lines for that time? At that point, they agreed. They said, sure, go away. We will help you if you can in some way find a successful route to this then sure, and we'll drop you some hints along the way. And that was the end of the vision. Okay, that was in February of 2021. You and I are speaking in early October of 2023, so about two years. What has happened in these two years that relates between your request and wanting to understand a QBR warp drive and perhaps contribute to creating it has anything happened in these two years in which the greys have appeared in your dreams, in your room, anywhere, and literally given you some help? 
I haven't seen any grays since then, but since then I ended up seeing my first UFO up in the sky. I ended up joining an alternative propulsion engineering community, and I ended up working on my own device that is looking pretty promising. And then now, as of the last couple of months, I've been able to work on this full-time thanks to a generous benefactor. Think that the Greys are behind any of these steps? I couldn't say positively or negatively. I don't know how much influence is going on out there, but to me it seems like the universe wants me to go this route and things have been easier than they should have been. What was the shape of the UFO that you saw? Too high up in the sky to see. I was outside in April of last year, and as I was looking up at the stars with my wife, I saw what looked like a satellite coasting along the sky, very dim. All of a sudden it flashed bright and stayed bright, and then continued to coast along the sky, and then it stopped, did a 90-degree turn, went a couple of inches across the sky in that direction, stopped again, did a bow face, went back along the path it had just followed, went back up to the point of the original 90-degree turn, performed another 90-degree turn to continue on in its initial trajectory. It coasted a little further until it stopped over one of the stars of the Big Dipper, and it stopped there, and I stared at that spot for about 20 more minutes, and it never moved from that spot. Today, Jared is working with a technology research group called APEC, A-P-E-C. It stands for Alternative Propulsion Engineering Conference. APEC periodically brings together scientists, engineers, and innovators in open forum public discussions about research into emerging new propulsion technologies. Lectures and project updates are once a month, in addition to open mic gatherings once a month in between public conferences. APEC is looking for people with engineering backgrounds who are interested in sharing their ideas for alternative propulsion concepts, or who are interested in working on alternative propulsion projects. To see more information and to get involved, visit the APEC website at altpropulsion.com. And it is so nice to be here with you all when I know so many people who have COVID and the terrible warring and everything, it begins to feel like, oh Lord, is everything falling apart? But then the clock goes down to 7.30 p.m. here on Wednesday, and I love the feeling of connecting with all of you all around the world. And to hear your questions and your comments on what I've presented tonight and any time, and helping me do that is dear Ian Holling, who is in England, who is sick, but has tested twice negative for COVID. So he's here tonight with what sounds like you will hear uh, a bad cold. And I'm so glad he's here. And Ian, uh, welcome. And I'm very curious about all of the things that you have lined up to share with us. 
Yeah, good evening, Linda. I'm sorry, yeah, I've got a bit of a sore throat, but uh, I'm uh, battling it anyway. And here in uh, the UK, we're bracing ourselves for another storm with high winds and, uh, and flooding forecast as well. Yeah, that hurricane in the North Atlantic, I think. Okay, so oh, I've got some um, uh, lots of things coming into the chat tonight. There's uh, certain talk as well about, um, well, it was Jared's uh, illustrations have triggered some memories, I think, with some people. That memory of uh, Greys looking in at uh, people in tubes as um, is, a, is a memory that uh, that other people have had, and I've seen those experiences before. We've also had um, people who have had, had um, uh, the experience of seeing those huge uh, amounts of tubes also on the craft, so that will be another another image. I would sure, yeah. Ian, I would like to uh, right now just put a question out to everybody that if you have had firsthand sighting and or experience with a massive container of all of these what essentially are described as the preservation tubes for bodies in great quantity, I would very much like to learn more. Yes. And I echo that. Please give us more more of your experiences. This is a safe place to share experiences with each other, and we can all learn from these experiences. I've got some questions lined up here already. Okay. Space Ghost is here. He's got the first question. He says, are the tube gray, grays worker bees getting humans ready for other beings to pop into? And he follows that on with another question. He says, are the tube grays studying and trying to work out the soul matrix tech? in us, tech of the tall whites. You are ahead of most of us, I think. I am still at the stage that I personally feel, as I have said since we went on the air four years or so ago, that I think that the human soul is the most important part of us and that it is also something that people or entities or intelligences that are in other dimensions or other places of this universe, they want, perhaps, to have the experience, the interaction. There's competition over this planet Earth, and apparently uh, souls are one of the very, very treasured. I don't know if commodity is correct, but and that's why I am so interested in the work that I did for Glimpses Volume 2 that had six people all drawing the preservation tubes and each with their story about the entering of bodies and the exiting of bodies. But not a single person had any, what I'd say was a full fleshed out report about who is making the bodies, what specifically is the reason, how long have they been there, what is the preservation for, is it for a specific solar system, a specific planet. The questions go on and on. What is, uh, I would say, has been consistent for me since uh, the early 1990s when I first heard about the tubes and about abductees being taken and in the one case with Linda Porter, the interface between her as a young American girl in California and a craft and walking down a hallway 
was a big eight-foot-tall praying mantis, which was not brought up in any of these people's experiences. And Linda Porter, not hearing anything verbally, is hearing telepathically that the big eight-foot praying mantis communicates to her mentally that she would be, quote, translated into the light, close quote. Now, other people have either an impression of something having to do with light, and, but that the soul is connected to the universe in a larger way than a human is connected to planet Earth if you separate it out, the body and the soul. When you put the body and the soul together, then you have this unique combination of what Homo sapiens sapien is, and it may be that we ended up not perfect in any score, and clearly we still fight each other and kill each other. But there is something that is perhaps extraordinary about this combination of our soul, our particular body, and the environment that we're in that others are studying, are exporting, are interacting with, there's a variety. So when it comes to this whole issue of who is in control, is there a controlling entity about a huge program that would involve basically putting souls in different bodies in different parts of this universe or other dimensions, and then retrieving foreknowledge. And it is a fascinating concept. It seems like it's more in keeping with AI that is coming to the world rapidly in the future. But this has been going on for a very long time on the Earth. And I welcome any of you who have other insights. I think that the uh, pieces tonight that I've reported, I, I think that Jared's story is uh, important to go back and listen again. And, and for those of you who think that you have had a similar experience to get in touch with me. And the more that we can do, the more that we can, in a hopefully a rational way, sort of unfold some of these difficult subjects that no one wants to touch. As long as we're not touching a lot of subjects that seem absolutely vital to understanding some of what is going on in extraterrestrial civilizations just weakens us. And so I welcome hearing from any and all of you. I do try to protect everybody who does not want their name or their face out in the world. It's the content and trying to put it all together in some kind of a puzzle frame that we could begin to educate ourselves more and more and then keep extending out to other parts of Earth history where a lot of this probably has had a lot to do with what has happened. So on that note, Ian, what about another comment or question? Here's a comment, you, and it ties in with what you just said about difficult subjects. Ms. Um 389, I'm not sure if I correct if I uh, pronounced that correctly, says, I'm legitimately asking, doesn't this information scare anyone else? I may not sleep tonight. I don't think I'm ready to come back to this channel just yet. Well, I'm, 
it's funny. I don't feel that kind of fear. Um, the people that I've interviewed, like the six people for the book Glimpses Volume 2, um, they had concern for the future of the earth. They were not concerned in each, each of those stories with something killing them or doing something badly. In fact, I wish I could just put a tube to everybody's mind around the world and download rapidly some of those six stories in Glimpses of Other Reality, Volume 2. Because what a lot of the information was that was downloaded to them was you have been sick. That was Linda Porter. You were sick when you were a child. You, I think it was scarlet fever. Uh, it damaged your heart. And if we do not intercede now, you will die early. And that they would express that they had a vested interest in her surviving for whatever reasons that the ETs had. And when you read the six, and then you start adding what I'm trying to contribute now to this uh, very deep and multi-leveled subject, you get the sense that there are non-humans who are, if we use the word tracking, then it sounds like going hunting for an animal. So what would be the word? Scientists researching a project in which we humans are being studied. And we're being studied for a variety of reasons. And here's the part that your question may go to the heart of. There is not one question in my mind or anybody I know who has studied the UFO ET field. There's not one question that humans and all animal life on earth are being harvested. I think that they've been harvested for not just thousands of years, millions of years. And depending upon where you start the beginning of Homo sapien human, which is its own type. If, it, if you begin the count with the crossfade with Neanderthalensis 45,000 years ago, that doesn't mean there weren't Homo sapiens before then, but it means that there was a crossfade era 45,000 years ago. How many different models and types went back 278 million years from then. And how many of all of those types were extraterrestrials harvesting sperm, egg, infants, women, men, children, elk, cattle, horses? I'm just making a point. And the, the harvest or the extractions for scientific analyses perhaps by some, competition by others. There's probably a long list of motives. But it wasn't like wholesale attack. And today it isn't. The mutilations in animals go on, the abductions of humans. I've had several phone calls and letters just in the last two months saying, do you think that the abductions have stopped? Have the animal mutilations stopped? 
No. The, the number of cases in any given year, going back to where it was first, we'll say publicly uh, recorded, which would be in the probably the late 1950s was the first in worldwide animal mutilations and especially growing in intensity in the 60s and the early 1970s. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds in any given county. But from my point of view today in 2023, it's all part of a same singular kind of program in which there may be two or three allies who have a vested interest in seeing Homo sapien evolve and be in perhaps allyship with them. Over time, have those vested interests changed? Probably. What is the current pecking order of the ones that we have known through history that would include the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white-skinned Nordics, which current 2022-23 information from people who have worked with them in the aerospace industry is working right next to them, that the tall whites they consider to be a vested interest in seeing humanity survive, that the tall whites are trying to help us with certain things technologically, maybe even spiritually, that they have an alliance with three of nine different Nordic species. That means six of the nine are not friendly. And that the tall whites and the Nordics are part of a energy on this planet that is trying to help humans. And it's definitely fair to ask the question, what is at the root of their vested interests in us? What would we be like today in October of 2023 if 45,000 years ago the human experimentation or Earth experimentation through the human RNA DNA experiment by ETs had stopped. At what level would it have stopped? I look at 2023 and the horrors of more war and wonder if you're an advanced ET and you can move point to point throughout the universe, what would we look like to them? But I bet everybody here tonight would agree on one thing. That for the most part, when there's not greed, when there's not money fights, when there's not power fights, humans embrace and support and truly love their blood family for the most part. And it may be something there 
that nourishes the soul in a way that nothing else does. I've been told, Charles Hall, who wrote about the tall whites, they are described as being spiritual. And every single time that somebody who has worked with them tells me that, what they say is they love their children. They will do anything to protect the tall white children. We can all, as humans, relate to that, and maybe they're the ones who put that in us. So going to the side of the dear person who reached out tonight and said that they were scared by the tubes, maybe eventually we will learn that the tubes are used to preserve all kinds of entities with recycling programs because maybe that the, the, uh, we'll call it the life essence, the soul of one body has to be in another place and they're involved with work, they're involved with science, they're involved. Maybe eventually we will find that it is a very multifaceted, huge, huge program. But I want to hug you back for being honest and, and to feel and say what I honestly do feel when I'm doing this program, that the more all of us can be honest about what we have seen, what we have experienced, what we have felt, what we do worry about, what we are convinced we love all of it, the whole huge bell-shaped curve, to be able to talk about all of it and the things that scare you, I personally think is healthy. It makes you stronger. It makes us all able to talk about the untouchable subjects of which something like extraterrestrials have tube technology all over the universe and they can transport the soul. Depending upon how you approach it, it might seem scary. And I think that there's something else that is going on that the more we investigate and the more we learn, perhaps the more fascinating it will be. But if we stay in the dark, if we don't ask questions, if we don't receive from our fellow humans that are having experiences and interactions as the half a dozen that I took excerpts from tonight and from Jared and the six people in my Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 2, which another one, another voice was added in uh, that Glimpses, Volume 2 by Betty Andresen. And she had interactions with what we might call tall whites. They were very tall. They were always dressed in white not like some of the current uh, 2023 illustrations of the tall whites, but they might have been the same. And Betty and her husband, Bob Luca, they were convinced that even if humans and our human minds and psychology are not used to thinking about things like grays, praying mantises, 
tall whites, a variety of blondes, the blue teals, the different grays, tall, large, medium, and insects of a variety of type. That being able to investigate, being able to go, do out, go out into the world and do research as I have done in so many countries and so many places. And you seize being afraid. What takes over is curiosity and wanting to learn more and what else is there and we need to understand all of this. So that's the context in which I reported the Jared story to you tonight and reported the people in Glimpses Volume 2 and hope that I can continue to bring, not, not every week, but when I have what I think is an insightful, uh, whether it's one case or two or what, about the tubes, about the soul, about reincarnation, what kind of universe are we really in? If it is a hologram, are we in a technology related to another dimension? If that is the case, what is that goal? Oh, so many things that are so exciting that I would like to understand. And I hope you do too. And thank you, Ian. And please, if you haven't already, please send out a note, if she's not there, to tell her, please keep coming. And let's just keep opening up all the subjects that we can on a bell-shaped curve, knowing that sometimes some may make us nervous, but for the vast majority, the more we learn, the less nervous we become. Go ahead. Absolutely, yes. And uh, she has responded in the chat positively and says that she's going to keep coming. So keep coming to Earth Files, keep learning more, and uh, hopefully Good. it will help you to, uh, to learn more with an open mind. I'm really uh, grateful that she was honest and spoke up because... Don't you feel in, this is exactly the kind of context that we need established around the world in the New York Times, in The Guardian, everywhere. We need the ability to have whole daily 24-cycle news in which real things are reported and real people can get information. That's a pipe dream right now on Earth. I'm not at all assuming that would happen. But it's the metaphor what would it all be like if we had every major credible journalism that were doing daily interactions with humans on the earth that fell into the category of interacting with other intelligences? That's right. So hopefully you'll still keep coming and listening to Earth Files and, uh, and this is a safe space to share experiences. Yeah. <clears throat> I wanted to go to the uh, Super Chats and thank our generous audience tonight, Linda. Thank you. Um, Moonbird. Hi. And Moonbird's driving tonight, but he's listening. He's in, in the car listening. Where to is he? Driving. Which country? I don't know. Um, Moonbird, if you can't pull over, <laughs> let us know where you yeah. are. If it's safe to do so, please do. Captain Kurt, Christina Ledesma Jimenez, Wayne Bowell, Northern Lights, Angie Munez. Cards 97, Jesus Alberto Quileres, and also Yin Yang Glow, who reminds us that she prays for us every night. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I believe that prayer is a, um, a naturally made mechanism in this conscious universe for consciousness that is divided up into animals, creatures, humans, that if we just knew more, we would understand that concentrating our mind to the universe that has a completely different feeling that we can manifest. And that is something I wish we were all taught everywhere. Linda, can we um, just remind the audience that you've got a couple of conference uh, yes. attendances coming up. Yeah. I'm just going to go through them and um, tell people that you're going to be appearing at the Conscious Life Expo in Los Angeles on February the 9th to the 12th, 2024. So It's one of the Life most Expo. fun conferences. Serena Taylor, who is one of my dearest friends, she has been uh, working. She's the stitch maker of everything for, to make Conscious Life Expo. It, and it really is. You've been there, I think, Ian. And it is so wonderful to be in one hotel that has food and everything. And you're having the conferences all in one place inside the hotel, going up and down elevators and not having to walk blocks. It's great. I'm posting the link for the Conscious Life Expo in the chat tonight. Good. And yes, I'd recommend anyone who, um, who wants to go to see that. That's a really good expo and uh, should be a really good fun to go. I'm going to go myself, so I'll be there too. And also, then in the... March, in March, Sedona. Talk to, Sedona yes. is a great place to have a conference. This is Suzanne Ross and the Transcendence team at Sedona Ascension Retreat. Accelerating Consciousness, March the 8th to the 10th, 2024, at Sedona Performing Arts Center. So again, you're, um, you're in there with, uh, with quite a lot of other uh, top speakers, and that's going to be a really exciting event to go to in Arizona. Right, and they're really serious about trying to take all of the facets, which is what we've just been talking about, too, all of the facets that relate to our coming into consciousness with extraterrestrial civilizations and individuals and new technologies and a burst in AI going and doing things that we can't comprehend yet. It, it all needs in some way to be digested into the human soul and mind and body and that is what conferences help do. And so I would really love to see a lot of you at Sedona, a lot of you at Conscious Life. And some of, wouldn't you say this, Ian, some of the best parts are at midnight to 2 o'clock in the morning, staying up with people, maybe 15 at a table, and whether it's too noisy or not, you're yelling about the soul. <laughs> That's right. And then we go to dinner and, uh, and the group just gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> we end up with a whole lot of people trailing behind us. Yeah. And then we just stop off and have a, have a really good chat into the night, especially if it's outdoors and it's good weather. And it's just a fantastic experience. Yeah. yeah. Those are the best times. And you're going to post everything about getting tickets for Conscious Life Expo and for the Sedona Conference. And it's going to be... We're going to have it at Earth Files 
and Earth Files YouTube and through our social media. Yes, I've posted the uh, details for both events in the chat this evening. We'll put them into the show details below as well, below the video tonight. And I'm also going to um, tell people that you were interviewed by Alan Steinfeld of New Realities. And, yes. Uh, and I'm posting a link to that interview as well. And Howard so. Hughes in London. Both, uh, both of us, uh, Howard Hughes and Alan and me, we really had great conversations, better than normal. There's something moving that things are becoming more serious in terms of the substance of the content. I think that's what's happening. The substance is beginning to gel harder and it's affecting, um, it's affecting the strength with which you can now, I think, begin to open up subjects that we used to keep quiet and that shouldn't happen. So, I really enjoyed both of those interviews a lot. Yeah, and I'm posting the links to both of those interviews in the chat, and uh, we'll put information as well in the community section of the YouTube channel too. Thank you. Thank you, Darian. Have we got um, more comments, questions that you would like to share? And I will try to go through them well, quickly. Yeah, a couple of quick comments on the, on the show. Uh, Dee Stu says, thank you, Linda and Ian, for these shows, a peaceful reprieve and promoting a positive future for humankind. And Christina Ledesma Jimenez says, well, this is an amazing story of Gerard's. Uh, thank you for those ama these amazing stories and experiences that you share with us. I appreciate you. Thank you, Earth Files. Thank um, you, I've everyone. Got a of questions here. C. Hart, she only put C. Hart, or, or he only put C. Hart. Linda, have you ever tried RV yourself? Remote viewing. I have done it apparently without knowing that's what it was since I was a young child. I have had a life where I have been saved several times from what should have been mortal death. And I've always gotten a signal, a sound, something that stops me, uh, an image, a movie of what is going to happen, a whole variety. So to me, in a strange way, it's like something that activates like remote viewing. And it's done it throughout my entire life to this day. Okay, well, that, that's good. We've also got Dr. Coffrin in the uh, chat tonight. Dr. Coffrin says, I think the departed turn into greys. Well, there's a connection with the, with the departed. They feel like family to me. My son says they are his friends. The greys? That's right. She says um, that her son has many experiences with greys. Well, and the, here is another huge, gigantic piece about which most of us are ignorant, but may have eventually one of the more important what facets to uh, educate ourselves about, and that is if the vast majority of the grey beings are artificial intelligence, as I understand they are, made by tall, eight foot tall, uh, we'll call them progenitor greys, that I also tie to Epsilon Indy as a solar system. That the, the tall, we'll call it biologicals of the grey versions are the ones that evolved and became extremely sophisticated about moving point to point and so many other things about this multi-dimensional cosmos that 
eventually they ended up with a huge, huge, huge array of artificial intelligence. And that the vast majority of everything that is interacted with people on our planet in 1947 or whenever it occurred, that, that they were artificial beings. It's like a Cape Girardeau, Missouri, a Paul Blake Smith's book about all of the evidentiary material supporting what appears to have been some kind of a crash in 1941. This would have been six full years before Roswell. And if it happened the way everybody that had recall uh, told Paul Blake Smith, it was that uh, a reverend ended up at the site, was called by a military unit because they had dead bodies, even if they weren't human. And then the details beyond the reverend being there giving last rites and then the army taking the bodies away is that Truman and Eisenhower and FDR, they were in different positions in 41, but it was still that, that kind of uh, group. Uh, they received an analysis that said that the bodies, there were two or three, were clones. And that probably was the first time that in Washington people gulped because I can imagine them saying to each other, well, if these pilots of this thing that crashed are clones, where are the clone makers and what do they want? So this whole issue of what timelines with which ETs, with which UFOs, which government response, which government decision to clamp everything down is, this is the straitjacket that we're all working in right now. Ian, <laughs> did he go yeah, on? Sorry, um, I had some communication problems there. Is, is that <laughs> what happened that. on that phone ringing? Yeah, um, I got cut off. I don't know why. It just suddenly disappeared. It suddenly, suddenly went. Well, good. I'm glad you reconnected. And uh, let's take time for a couple more questions. Yes, I just wanted to refer you to another experience. Holly Shank is in the chat tonight and says that she had an experience where she experienced missing time. She not, she's not sure what happened, but I'll tell you what she says. The street lights on the streets went out by themselves. My vehicle stopped running by itself, and my daughter, who was 13 at the time, and myself both heard and felt a big thump against my minivan. Then the next thing you know, I'm, I looked over at my daughter's eyes rolling in the back of her head while tears were running down her face. The street lights come on, and my vehicle starts back up. Why was the daughter crying? That's something we'd like to know. Please, Holly, get in touch with us at earthfiles at earthfiles.com or ian at earthfiles.com. We'd like to follow up with you and help you to recover some of this missing time. Yeah, and a, a quick hypothesis is that the non-humans were interested in the daughter. And the daughter probably saw in her mind's eye and or 
telepathy, but there's symbols, there's the rapid movies that go in the mind's eye, uh, often overlaid with gold symbols that some people say look like Sanskrit, quite honestly. So you'd have Sanskrit gold symbols raised up above a movie going through your mind. Uh, voices, thought voices, when I hear thought voices since I was a child that have guided me, it, I became accustomed to being at peace with something that wasn't there very often, but when it was, it counted. And that voice is extremely welcome in my life. But I wouldn't even know what category to put in what we were saying, remote viewing, getting telepathic thoughts, uh, getting warnings before something happens. What category is that in? Does it have anything to do with extraterrestrials who might be in this universe and other universes and dimensions and they're telepathic and they have learned how to go uh, point to point in the universe, vast distances in seconds and minutes. But maybe they also have relationships with the conscious universe. Maybe that's where they learned telepathy. And all of this, to me, it's all related. So that it's not scary. It's something that you depend upon, which I think is, if you boiled everything that I know down, that's where faith in a higher force, the thought that dwells in the light, that's where it comes from. And that's what we all, if we could, if we could feel it, if we could be surrounded in it, not in any other way, but the love of life, the recognition of beings like ourselves, and then when it comes to the non-humans, it's hard to say that we can re recognize outside of humanoid shapes, but we have not been taught anything officially. So it is a very odd moment on earth. And do you have one last question? I'm just looking for one last question. I, I suppose it's a bit of a comment really from Tony Brooklyn. I was just a bit Go ahead. amazed by this. Yeah, he says, I, I saw an orb inside my basement and then I was floating through the walls. That's all I remember. And then all of my fish were dead in the house when I returned and woke the next morning. So the side effect of his abduction experience was that the fish, presumably in a fish tank, were, um, were killed by the experience, by something happening. Now, those are the ones that I would like to talk with physicists about, chemists about. Is it possible that there was not evil intent to kill those fish or anything else, but that there was some side process product of whatever the technology was from whatever the intelligence was that somehow interacted with that water and killed those fish because my bottom line is if you're on the side of light and life and love, you don't want to kill anything. And we're on a planet that is becoming so rocky on all of that. What do we do for the present now humans 
and the ones that are evolving to create an earth where true love and light dominate everything and that no one would ever want to kill anything. And somewhere in me, it is this inner voice that that's the goal, always has been the goal, always will be the goal, no matter where we are in this universe. But maybe this entire universe truly is a college room. And it's always trying to teach souls to separate light from dark, white from black, love from hate. Never give up wanting to feel the love of the cosmos and the light. And with that, got a hug. I'll see you next week. for listening to this Earth Files podcast from the edges of science, environment, and real X-Files. Go to www.earthfiles.com 
to see more than a thousand Earth Files reports with photographs, drawings, and documents. And visit Earth Files every day, every week, for new reports and new podcasts. That's www.earthfiles.com.